to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone. We're back again for another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. And today we're joined by Noel Andrews, who is the founder of JobRack. Welcome, Noel. Hi, Meryl. Great to be here with you today. I described you as the founder, but is that actually your position title? My position title? Huh, that's a good one. CEO and owner, I think, is typically the titles that I use. And so what do you call yourself? Are you the investor, the CEO? I call myself, well, it's a good thing. I mean, like I said, title-wise, you know, often kind of CEO or owner. And often it varies depending on, you know, who I'm talking to, really. But uh, yeah, CEO, owner. Is, uh, is kind of chief doer. They're typically the ones that uh, kind of uh, I put on my email most often. Yeah. And what is JobRack? So JobRack is a online job board that specializes in finding and getting amazing Eastern European remote workers for online businesses. So we help online business owners to really find the absolute best remote talent they can possibly find for uh, for their business. Right. So would you describe it, is it similar to Upwork or would it be more similar to in Australia, we've got a hiring platform called Seek, which is where a lot of professionals would look for jobs at really big companies. We aren't too similar to uh, Upwork in the sense that Upwork really is more of kind of a freelancing platform. Whereas, as you mentioned there, kind of you mentioned that kind of Seek platform and other regions of the world, you know, ZipRecruiter, Monster, companies like that. Really kind of that's what we're more about. We are more about business owners finding part-time or full-time hires for them to become, you know, real kind of key members of their team and work with their business on a kind of a medium to uh, to long-term basis, as opposed to the uh, kind of the freelancing side of things. Let's get straight into that. So what were you doing before JobRack? And then let's talk a little bit about the acquisition and then we'll move into how you actually go about hiring staff in Eastern Europe. But let's go back to before JobRack, what you were doing and then how you came to be in the position to acquire the business. So before JobRack, I've had a pretty lengthy career in kind of corporate IT. So a range of kind of leadership roles involving lots of kind of hiring and team management and team development. But most recently, I was actually running an interview coaching business. So that was where I was helping candidates prepare and excel at interviews, um, typically into IT roles, but in a range of other other roles as well. So that was keeping me pretty busy. And uh, with uh, JobRack, I just had some fortuitous timing, really. So I'd been working with a community that we're both part of, the Dynamite Circle. And I was working with entrepreneurs, giving them some kind of consultancy and, and looking at whether to launch a kind of like a done-for-you hiring service. And during that process, I was speaking to some really great people. And um, I was well aware of JobRack. And the guys that were running it at the time had decided that actually they needed to focus on uh, on their kind of primary business that they had. And JobRack was a bit of a sideline really and it was just yeah kind of perfect timing really they were looking to uh, kind of move it on to someone that could really invest in it and grow and for me it was just a no-brainer great opportunity good kind of solid business in place but with massive potential and that was what really attracted me and crucially and I've learned this over the last few years it was already super niche down and uh, that's definitely the best way to be able to kind of target your attentions and your effort and your investment is when you're already in kind of a really niche down business. Is this the first business that you required? And what did that process look like from the initial idea of becoming aware that that 
business might be available to purchase to actually transferring the money and, and, and taking control of the business. Yeah, this is the first business that I've acquired. I've uh, built a few and built a few kind of online products and things like that. But this was definitely the first one that I've acquired and a kind of a baptism of fire as well. So process wise, wow, it was fast. It was really, really fast. So total time from becoming aware of JobRack being available to completing, doing all the legal side of things, the contracts and transferring the website onto my own infrastructure and, you know, taking control and ownership. That was just four weeks. So that was really, really fast. And that included the kind of technical due diligence that you've got to do when you're buying technology ultimately. And, and that was kind of one of the key assets of uh, the business that, that I was really buying. So that was really fast. The guys that I bought from were a really, uh, really good, uh, good duo, uh, good two guys that I bought from. Really easy to deal with. And uh, I had a little bit of help from a developer that I was recommended to that did that technical review of the code, of the database, just really understanding, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but just understanding what it was that, uh, that I was there, that I was buying, really. So, yeah, very, very fast. And inevitably, you then, you know, the learning starts on day one. And uh, I'm not quite sure if the learning will ever stop. But uh, certainly get into a much more comfortable place. Now I'm kind of six, seven months on from there. And how did you get comfortable with the code side of things? So you mentioned that you come from an IT background. Did you know enough to kind of check the code yourself or did you, how did you get comfortable? A lot of what you're buying, I mean, I mean, there's brand and other things, but I imagine a lot of it was the code itself. So yeah, getting comfortable with the code sort of things. That was probably the hardest thing and really the most crucial because it was a website that was running and an application that was running and, you know, you can't see it and you don't know it unless you've developed it yourself. You don't really know you know, what's in the background, what kind of hidden horrors, what bugs, things like that are there. So my background, whilst, you know, 15 or so years in IT, I've never been a hands-on coder. I can just about read some code a little bit and have an idea what's going on to, uh, you know, check small changes, but not to do a thorough technical review. So I actually kind of asked a, a mastermind group that I'm part of if they could, uh, if they'd ever done anything like this and could recommend anyone. And uh, I was really, really fortunate, a really great developer was uh, was available and he helped me and it, it wasn't a huge amount of effort probably kind of 10 to 20 hours of effort in total from him and then he got access to the source code got an understanding of how it worked and just gave me an idea of well what was it going to entail me kind of uh, you know the quality that I was buying effectively and also what was involved in then kind of transferring that across so yeah knowing that that was something that I could support or you know pay developers to support that could be developed further on and didn't have you know, kind of any massive horrors in there. That really gave me a lot of comfort and ultimately led to um, to the successful purchase. Yeah. And so then what did those first few weeks look like? So you took over the business. How did you decide or evaluate where to focus your time? I suppose you need to keep it running, but yeah, what did that look like? Cool. Wow. Those first few weeks were crazy. Like I said, it just took four weeks and it actually transitioned and we literally kind of the final transfer happened the day before I flew to Bangkok for a conference. And it's an annual conference of around 350 online business owners and entrepreneurs. So, you know, my absolute perfect market and target market, if you like, customers. And also a lot of them had used JobRack before. Like I said, that's the community that we're part of and that the kind of business had been born within that community. So, yeah, flew to Bangkok. I actually did a presentation, kind of conference presentation, talking about kind of how to hire, which was great for exposure. 
And the first few days they were crazy because as soon as people knew that I had, I was the person that had bought Jobrack, I had loads of people coming up to me telling me, oh, we're so glad you bought Jobrack and uh, so glad it's not going to shut down. And we love Jobrack and we love Eastern Europeans and we've got some great people. And so that was kind of like crazy in it, like, kind of, you know, goosebumps almost. You know, you've just invested, you've bought a business and you're pretty sure it was the right thing to do. But then, you know, you get people coming up to you just kind of really kind of praising it and gushing about it. That was awesome. So first week was very focused on that conference and then in the evenings and snatching time where I could to just, you know, make some initial changes, change things like the about pages, change some very urgent things that needed kind of tweaking on the website adjusting the pricing to get it into you know a slightly better model and really just learning and discovering like with any business you know you acquire a big kind of google drive folder full of documents and logos and all of those kind of things so scanning my way through those and making lists you know making lists and lists of things to do and then you know kind of prioritizing like you said you know you've got to kind of decide how you focus your time there's only so many hours in the day and so initially i focused on just running it just getting an understanding. We had some job posts flowing in, which was great. So I could kind of learn along the way, really, as I was supporting the kind of business owners in posting their jobs, just guiding them through it if they had any questions, seeing what happened on the back end, seeing how, you know, what the process was for job seekers to apply. So yeah, really for the kind of first few months, I really just kind of ran along with the business and just was in it, observing how things worked and just getting to grips with it. So uh, that was the main priority. And all the way along, just making lists of what were the big things that needed changing or needed improvement and uh, and those opportunities? Yeah, but I suppose it would have been, you would have learnt a lot to being in the thick of it and really talking to lots of customers. And well, I suppose you've got two customers, the, the employers, but also the job seekers. And it sounds like you would have been working with both of those groups closely to make sure they had a good experience. So it sounds like it would have been really helpful in developing a deeper understanding of the business. Yeah, definitely. Being in the thick of it was the best thing to do. I'm really kind of just getting an understanding of what was there. I'm not sure I could have done it any other way. Really, there's no, you can read all the documentation in the world, but really you've just got to live it and breathe it and see what happens and figure it out from there. So yeah, that was great. And like you said, starting to learn a lot more about Eastern Europe. I know more now than I did then, but uh, at that point it was still, I knew it was an awesome place to hire people and great work ethic, but not as much as I needed to. So yeah, definitely was the right thing. But that leads in nicely to, I think, a conversation around recruitment tips for building teams. But why don't we start with why you would look to hire in Europe or in particularly Eastern Europe? Obviously, I'm slightly biased. Uh, I could be quite open about that. But I was biased enough to, uh, you know, go in and buy a business. So uh, kind of putting my money where my mouth is a little bit. And obviously, I've also since hired myself. Naturally, my team are, are Eastern European as well. So in terms of why would you hire from Eastern Europe, there's kind of a few kind of key reasons. First of all is a kind of a cultural one, and that is that their work ethic is just incredible. The area of the world of kind of Eastern Europe, they've gone through many of the countries have gone through some real hardship over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And that's kind of bred, kind of breeds a, a real determination in the people. You know, they want, they've got through hardship, they've survived that, and they want to make a better life. And so lots of them are coming through and, you know, seeing these amazing online opportunities and they're willing and ready to work hard. And that's, you know, I never try to be kind of disparaging about other regions of the world, but that's something that, especially in the Western world, you know, here in the UK, there's just a lot of people that 
kind of a can be a little bit lazy sometimes and just haven't got that hustle and that drive to really work hard. So, yeah, number one, definitely that kind of cultural work ethic, that just desire to really, really work hard. Number two would be their education system. The quality is just absolutely amazing. The quality of uh, graduates and quality of kind of technical understanding that they produce is phenomenal. And as a kind of region of the world, you get a lot of a huge number of people that have got kind of one college or university degree. And then you find that there's a, you know, a really, really hefty proportion have actually got two. And so they're really, really well grounded in the, in the mechanics of, you know, whether it be software development or design or marketing or project management. And then you couple that with the work ethic to really, really do a great job. And, you know, some amazing results are then possible. And then finally, and I've got to be honest, numbers, those first and second items would be enough for most people. But the third item is great value. So, you know, in Eastern Europe, generally, the cost of living is considerably lower than what we're used to in you know, the Western world. And so as a result, the wages that they command are lower or the wages that they need are lower. So you can get people with a great work ethic that want to work hard and make a difference. They've got great education, at a, you know, considerably lower cost than other areas of the world. So those three things for me is what made the business a no brainer and uh, what my uh, current customers and all the kind of successful businesses have hired through JobRack would say, um, you know, makes it a no-brainer for them. And say I was, I actually do have a couple of team members in Serbia, but say I was a business owner that was looking to make my first hire in Eastern Europe, so it's the first time that I've done it, would there be any anything culturally that I should be aware of or would you have any tips to help me really have a good experience and make sure that the person I'm hiring has a good experience as well as part of that recruitment process and onboarding process. So culturally, things to be aware of. I think the main thing to be aware of is that culturally aligned, first of all. You know, so, um, you know, we talk about Eastern Europe, but they're very aligned with the Western world. They think in a very similar way. If there's religion or kind of approaches to tasks, things like that are very, very well aligned. Probably the, the key and a difference or thing that you see an awful lot is that they're very direct. Okay. So when they speak and when they're kind of talking you through something or when you're talking through them, they will be happy to be very direct. It's a lot less kind of skirting around the edges or kind of fluff talk, if you like, than we might be used to as, you know, certainly here in the UK as uh, quite reserved Brits. And again, you know, in the US and Australia, I've come across as well. So they're pretty direct and that can take some getting used to, but it's really great. Okay. It really, really does make just makes such a difference when you know that you're just getting a straight answer from. So that, that's really, really good. And then only kind of very minor detail really is that they, you know, they have some different bank holidays um, than the rest of us, than other regions of the world, I should say. So, you know, many Eastern Europeans don't celebrate Christmas in quite the same way as we do. They kind of align to a slightly different calendar. Very minor details and something that I always recommend people kind of just consider when they're making offers and figuring out what's important to their new hire wherever in the world, you know, they might be. And then finally, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, you've got a couple of team members there in Serbia. And it seems we do see pockets of kind of specialities within different uh, countries. So, you know, Lithuania, for instance, is really, really great for spoken English. And I understand that because actually most of their TV programs aren't dubbed into local language. They kind of learn it with an American accent. Serbia is renowned for content writers and bookkeepers and social media people. Ukraine is absolutely renowned for developers. And you know, that's not to say, well, we do have all of those skills across all of Eastern Europe, 
But it's funny how you just kind of see these pockets of uh, kind of specialities that crop up from time to time. So they'd be kind of my top tips, really, just things to be aware of around me, around that kind of being direct. And then again, just communication, like with any hire, whether they're in the office or remote, communication is just absolutely key. The more investment and more time you put into communicating with your hire right from the very, very start, both while you're recruiting, so before you hire, during that hiring and offering process, and then again to onboard them through there, just spend the time, you know, one-to-ones, both on kind of task-based and also getting to know them. It's really important to get to know people that are in your team, and that's that's what's going to make it a success. Yes. And are there any particular industries or job roles that you see be really successful? I know you've talked about developers, so finding great developers in Eastern Europe. Are there some other examples of particular roles that you've found to be really successful or even particular tasks that you've seen work really well? So particular industries and or kind of job roles, I should say, that have done really well um, or that I could be hired really well in Eastern Europe, definitely kind of project managers, developers, designers, those kind of technical roles. We do an awful lot with content writers. That's definitely an area that's commanding, you know, slightly higher salaries these days. They're massively in demand and naturally kind of assistants. So whether it's a virtual assistant, a VA, whether it's a marketing assistant or just a kind of a general assistant to kind of do a real variety of tasks and that's happy taking on, you know, a real range of what you want them to do, then, you know, absolutely great. But certainly, you know, I guess Eastern Europe, if it's known for one thing, it's the developers uh, from a hiring perspective. Really, really great quality developers with that work ethic we talked about. And um, we do really, really well with them. But the range of people we have kind of people advertising for or business owners advertising for everything from, yeah, the kind of roles I've mentioned through to kind of audit people, bookkeeping people, compliance, video editing, podcast editing and production. The list goes on and on, really. So pretty much whatever you want, we can find it uh, through job rec. Yes. Speaking of big geographic area, are there particular countries within the region of Eastern Europe where you're finding that you're matching more people or are hiring more people? So in terms of particular countries, I mentioned a couple of moments ago, it does vary. I've got to be honest. And, you know, we're having people sign up every single day. So I don't think there's any one country that's better than the other. Some of them are slightly larger, so therefore have more people. But I think we just see a real variation, everything from, yeah, like I mentioned, kind of Lithuania, Albania, Ukraine, Serbia, Croatia, and many more. I think uh, we've got about 21 countries represented or so. So, yeah, real, real variance. And um, some people often express a preference because maybe they've hired one or two people from one country already. But I would really, Jen, always recommend just be as broad as you can. And that's going to help you find the uh, best possible people. Yeah. And if we go back to the example, we've written a really good job ad, we've been through the recruitment process and we've really found someone that is a great fit, they are onboarded and now they're part of the team. Do you have any ideas or tips around, I suppose, building that relationship and turning them into a long-term team member? Yeah, so ideas and tips. Uh, What are my top tips for kind of really turning someone into a long-term team member? I think ultimately it's communication. That's what really makes the difference. And being interested in them and being invested in them as, you know, as a team member and that you want to get to know them. You want to get to know about their family and their home life and what things are like in Eastern Europe, because most likely you probably don't know. It's probably not an area of the world that you might be massively familiar with. So I think communication is key and setting apart that time to do those kind of one-to-ones and 
and a get to know you sessions with them. I think another piece is just setting really clear expectations. So here at JobRack, we have a ways of working document. So as well as the you know normal contracts and non-disclosure agreements, things like that that we sign, we also have a ways of working document that we share before someone joins us and, and we go through as part of the onboarding and we continually update it as we find things that can make the difference for us. And that includes everything from, you know, when people start in the morning, we want them to come on Slack and say, hey, morning, how you doing? And the same at the end of the day, you know, see you later. So in exactly the same way as if you were working in an office, you say hello to people when you come in, you say goodbye when you leave at the end of the day. Exactly the same. That's kind of key for us. And the other one would be just, you know, like kind of relatively trivial things. But, you know, how do you like them to share documents? Do you want them to email you attachments? Do you want them to share a Google file? Do you want them to make changes directly in the document? Or do you want them to add comments within the document? Things like that. So ways of working. And there's a whole variety that we use. But I think that that's the key thing, really. Set expectations and, uh, yeah, communicate. Really, really communicate. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I know that's something that we put time into at Bean Ninjas. It's easy when someone is on the other side of the world to not take the time to ask questions about their personal life or how their weekend was. It definitely requires more effort and you may even need to schedule it in. I agree. I think that's great advice. It's really important to actually set that up, put it in the calendar and make it happen. And it's fine that it's not necessarily productive time in terms of work output, but really productive in terms of relationships and having happy staff. So great tip there. So what other things do I use? We use a variety of tools. So we use things like kind of Asana. We use things like Slack, et cetera. We use Slack a lot. We've added the Giphy plugin to Slack. Uh, so we're always sharing kind of little funny GIFs and things like that. And actually kind of we tend to communicate outside of that as well. So now if we're doing something particularly interesting, certainly our team, we tend to share pictures of it. So you know, one example is I went to a black tie dinner a couple of days ago. So I was all dressed up in, you know, tuxedo and bow tie and just shared a picture with the group and with the team. And that kind of just brings the more human element into it. And they get a little insight into you know, what I'm doing outside of work and, and equally they do the same in return. So that's one thing that's just doesn't all have to be, be about work. And then also a framework I've come across recently is around about making sure that you think about their development. Okay. And sometimes you have to push quite hard for them to think about what they want to do in the future and therefore, you know, the training that you might need to be committing to. So definitely spending that time to think about the future. Great tips. So what's next for job rack? What it's on the horizon, but it could be 2019, but into the future as well. To be honest, um, that's like a single-minded focus right now. We've got a great kind of job seeker database and candidate database. We want to just grow and get a lot more jobs available for them. And naturally, that brings more kind of business owners and more revenue through the business. So really, really driving around the revenue. And at the same time as that is, you know, constantly focusing on the quality. So doing more and more, expanding the services that we offer to kind of try and be a you know a one-stop shop for business owners, anything to do with hiring. So whether that's you know being able to signpost them to other relevant services, so legal services or accounting or bookkeeping services, anything at all. So really just kind of growing it, but in a very sustainable way and focusing on quality. That's really, really important to me. Yeah. And what sort of marketing strategies are you you talked a little bit about partnerships and what other marketing strategies are you using or testing at the moment or looking to? 
So yeah, marketing strategies and you know that's what's going to drive the growth. I'm um, looking at a variety of things. Obviously, podcasts. Hence, I was chatting today, and um, that's a big one because you know I think there's a there's a lot of fear and a lot of challenge out there around hiring. So if I get the message out there about you know how can people take it on and that there's people out there like me and like JobRat that we can help, then I think that's a really good message. We're looking at um, like I said partnerships with everything for the one stop shop. So you know, whatever people might need to do with their business. So they might need to do a legal agreement or they might need to do some testing of a candidate, for instance, or they might need to buy tools or time tracking tools, things like that. They're all the kind of services that we're looking at to say, well, how can we help and who can we partner with to really kind of get the best possible results for the business owners? And then it's all about it being a, you know, a win-win. And um, the key really is just to try things. If they work great, if they don't, then fail fast and look at other things. That's kind of part of the excitement of, uh, of being an entrepreneur, really. Yeah. And how are you balancing your time at the moment? So I imagine there's a lot of operational things. There's probably strategy, marketing, and it's probably that every business owner needs or faces. So how are you deciding what to focus on and where to spend the time? Or are you just working a lot of hours at the moment? Cool. Balancing my time is really tricky. Uh, it is really difficult because there's always so many things to do. So I try and focus and categorize things by, you know, are they revenue generating? Are they operational? Are they essential right now? And, and kind of work that way, focusing on the, I don't know if you're familiar with the kind of important and urgent or not important and not urgent grid. So really kind of just prioritizing based on and linking it back to the goals that I've got for, for job rack. And ultimately it's, you know, it's a work-life balance. It's, got to kind of keep ourselves sane and kind of enjoy life at the same time so don't kind of beat myself up too much about it but yeah try and link it back to the goals and yeah drive forward from there but uh yeah definitely i'm working a lot of hours but not too bad it's uh you know ultimately we kind of work to live and uh, not the other way around which is uh, somehow uh, how it can seem yeah wonderful well thanks so much Noel. it's been really interesting hearing about the acquisition process but also about the opportunities with hiring staff in Eastern Europe too. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And where can people get in contact with you or where can they go to sign up to JobRack? Yeah, no worries, Meryl. So get in touch, jobrack.eu. Then if any of uh, your audience have got any questions, then always get in touch with me either through the website or directly on email to noel, N-O-E-L, at jobrack.eu. And always happy to uh, kind of help out with any questions or answers, hiring, Eastern Europe, anything at all. Thanks a lot, Noah. Yeah, really great to talk to you too, Meryl. Really enjoyed it. So um, thanks again. By the way, are you wanting support to get paid and make better decisions? We've put together a zero small business toolkit, including cash flow forecast templates and guide to setting up zero. Grab it for free at beingninjas.com slash zero toolkit. And that's X-E-R-O-T-O-O-L-K-I-T.